publication with news in its title, U.S. News doesn't focus much on what's happening in the papers these days. Formerly known as U.S. News and World Report, the publisher is perhaps best known among the average reader for its annual college rankings, but it is actually something of a digital pioneer. The media brand ditched its print magazine in 2010 to go all digital and shifted its focus to a pure service brand. While its core business is still advertising-based, it does a monster business in lead generation, or as CEO Bill Holliber calls it, performance marketing. I'm Brian Breaker, editor of AdAge, and I'm joined today by Holliber on the AdLib podcast. He's been at the Mort Zuckerman-owned title for 20 years now, and he joins us to discuss how U.S. News has not only survived where other publishers flounder, but thrived by providing readers with actionable, practical information and by providing marketers with data. Lots and lots of first-party data. Holliber also weighs in on the recent publisher trends of chasing scale and pivoting to video, and he discusses his long career, which started out in the trades. Let's give a listen. Bill Holliber, CEO of U.S. News. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Um, so we've been talking a bit before we turn on the mics. We first met earlier this year at CES um, in January. We were talking about you were talking about smart cities, which you know there's a lot going on at, at U.S. News that we'll get into. But I wanted to start there because that's where we started. What was U.S. News doing at CES talking about smart cities? This is a what used to be a weekly print magazine news publication, and now you're all digital and talking about smart cities, what's going on there? Well, we found it really fascinating um, when we were looking at how uh, things operate and run. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we do a lot of the evaluation and benchmarking in the healthcare and the education field, as you know, and right. we wanted to take a look at that. Same thing in terms of what was going on with government leadership and how they were performing and what they were doing. and we. As we were doing that, we sort of discovered that there's a, a new development going on in the area of cities mm-hmm. uh, around the world uh, that just like we're, we're experiencing in the media business or the advertising business, uh, a, a lot of change going on there as well, driven by technology. So we have spent a lot of time studying that topic of smart cities, how technology is transforming the way cities operate. What, and, and in the end, how they're really providing the best services, how technology impacts the services of, of a city. Uh, we've gone so far now to actually benchmark uh, a lot of, of government in the United States and around the world on how they are performing in the area of innovation, of technology, et cetera. So this is an area that we're, we're looking at and we're going to continue to expand on. So from an editorial perspective, right, but also in a way that you – have a, you, a, a separate product coming out of it, right? Because yeah. when most people think of U.S. News, historically, I think if I were to go out and poll people on the street, they would say, oh, yeah, U.S. News and World Report. I used their college guide when I was applying to college. Um, and you use the word benchmark, I think, twice in, in that answer. Uh, health, education, that's the, the college listings, government. So what is um, what is the U.S. News proposition today? So the, the overall proposition um, uh, is that we want to help consumers, readers that engage with our content, be able to make the best decision 
And most of those issues, most of those things that they're trying to make a decision on are related to topics that are quite important to, to their lives, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, whether it be education, choosing a college, uh, whether it be uh, choosing a hospital or a doctor, uh, whether it be a retirement plan, uh, an ETF, and we've even now broadened that to uh, taking a vacation, uh, and even uh, buying a car. So how do you productize that, or how do you, how do you make that a revenue uh, generator? Well, we really think about what we do first and foremost is what questions uh, a consumer is asking themselves. And uh, we, we focus on that. Uh, we build content around that, whether it be advice content or whether it be our, our data content that we make uh, um, the, create the ability for, for consumers to engage with. But we also think about it from a marketer's perspective and the people that we partner with and do business with. Uh, how can we can make that connection so that uh, a consumer that comes to our site is there for a particular purpose, right? So that they're, they're really looking to try to make that decision and that the advertising also that is interconnected with that um, makes makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and we found that, that it works quite well in that particular type of model that uh, a, a marketer and a lot of the marketers we do, we do work with, that they can do a lot of branding because it really depends on what point that consumer is in the decision-making process. Uh, at, at some the, point... The funnel. Right. <laughs> the, the funnel, yeah, you can call it the funnel. Um, you know, we, we operate sort of up and down the funnel. Uh, depends where you're on, on the site. I never like that word. I, 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 don't, I don't either. Uh, we, did, we call it the de- decision continuum is okay. the way we call it. <laughs> uh, and, and, and it goes back and forth like that. So there's branding opportunities and then there's performance marketing opportunities. So we've created, that's sort, sort of the business model behind that. You know, sort of getting back to the government side, we have also created the same thing in, in our civic area where we benchmark government progress, you know, globally, nationally, and locally. So it's the same who's, sort of concept. Who's winning? <laughs> um, well, that's an interesting story. I, I don't want to get into the politics of it right now, because, <laughs> uh, but we, um, with the same concept there is we want, we want to work with marketers. Mm-hmm. They're interested in uh, having their company engage with problem-solving solutions within communities globally, uh, and, and the end result ends up being a really good thing for, for citizens. So it's all, this is all very, everything you're describing is very servicey in a way. So U.S. News is, is earlier this year, you guys scrapped your opinion section, and, and this, all these sort of benchmarks and products are very service-oriented. So would you say this is more your orientation than straight-ahead news or news-breaking, or is it both? We, you know, we were grappling with what was going on in in the daily new, in the in the news cycle, as you know, and, mm-hmm. and anybody that knows that, and the level of of political commentary that was going on and goes on twenty four seven, and we felt that it got to the point where it deviated so much from who our brand is. We've always been a brand, historically, you know, being around 85 years now, this, this year's our 85th uh, anniversary. Uh, we've always focused on analyzing why things are the way they are. It goes back from, from to the founder, David Lawrence, and then with Mort Zuckerman, who, who kept that going, is that people want answers, but they want answers that are based on fact. Right. So we felt that the best and actionable information. Exactly. Um, So so they can use it and apply it. 
how to do that in the area of news is is complicated, right? right. So we we really discovered in, in working with um, YNR and YNR BAV, a partnership on best countries, that we were we could benchmark uh, what people felt and thought, and and using data as well ab about how governments are run and how they're providing the best services and quality of life that are citizens. Mm -hmm. So we just kept that going to the point where we now have scale. We now we now have this sort of content that writes about and talks about solutions and issues going on globally or even locally. And we've created an environment of policymakers, of uh, thought leaders, uh, informed citizens, and business decision makers now that are really talking with us a lot and engaged in understanding, okay, here's what's going on in Columbus, Ohio. Why can't we do that in uh, Peoria, Illinois? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So th those are the sort of things. And, and creating that connection with working with companies uh, like Athena Health or Aetna that are working with us, that their focus has a purpose. Their marketing has a purpose. Mm -hmm. And with that purpose, they're able to come to these, these local uh, communities and say, we have solutions for you. Here's what's working. And come up with the capital and the strategy to be able to do that. So, talk then about what your audience uh, is, what the makeup is, who who is coming to you, and what are what do you look at when you're measuring that audience? What's important? So it, it breaks out into if I'll, I'll go through each of the each of the vertical segments of our company. So with Civic, uh, it's primarily uh, policymakers, business decision makers, and thought leaders. Mm -hmm. That uh, there, there is overlap, you know, because they are similar. You know, a thought leader could have a healthcare issue, and then they're dealing with their healthcare site. But in terms of mindset, they're there in civic um, in, in for a different reason. Uh, in education, uh, it's primarily parents and students going to college, and then we also have uh, young adults who are finishing college or are working and thinking about going to back to graduate school. So that's, that's that audience. And the core of our relationships there on the marketer side are with uh, schools, doing a lot of marketing and promotion, uh, online education courses for associate degrees, et cetera, uh, and uh, also uh, the financial, you know, college, college uh, uh, planning and What are some of the funding. numbers you're, we're talking about in terms of this audience? I would imagine, especially with education, it's sort of a, a pool that re self-replenishes every couple of years or every year because people go to college, they don't need the list anymore, uh, and then they come back to it or they age, they age out of it and then new people age in. But what are, what are the n numbers, broadly speaking, we're talking about? Yeah, so we, so we reach on a, on a monthly basis the, uh, about eight to nine million people a month mm -hmm. engage with our education content. But I sort of equate our education audience uh, like to like the bridal market, the what market? Like the bridal, bridal market. market, right? You know, the, the only, always challenge in the. I remember the bridal magazines back in the day. I mean, it's probably still the same way today. It's all on you know, it's eighteen months. You know, and then you, then you have a new group. So that that's our world. Um, we do have a large audience of uh, educators that read it, but it, that's our audience. So we're o we're always doing that. But we have built out uh, great first party data to stay connected. We have a very large uh, newsletter that goes out. Mm. And we're able to keep that connection. Our goal there over time is to think about a life stage moment when they're getting ready to graduate college where we can offer them maybe uh, information about our career guide. We have a great career section. 
or when they start working, you know, then they might think about when the first time they work for a company and they have to deal with a 401k, they can work with us on our, in our money site, understanding what, what are the best, best mutual funds to buy uh, or to invest in or ETFs and things like that. So that is our goal there. But that is a, the only vertical. Well, it's, it's not so. It's, we also have the similar sort of thing in travel and autos. Um, but there's a little more frequent usage of the same users coming back to those sites. Yeah. yeah. So, so with civic is education. You mentioned auto travel, health. Yeah. So um, with with health, uh, that's uh, a patient site. We we really focused primarily on patients that have been post uh, a post diagnosis phase, uh, because so much of what we do in that site, when we evaluate and benchmark hospitals, which we've been doing for uh, about thirty years. And now uh, our physician directory, we have over a million physicians in our directory with a tremendous amount of information about each of those physicians, is when someone, it's all really about the specialty side of the marketplace. Uh, and when someone has to deal with that, uh, a situation that comes up in their healthcare, whether it be a patient or a caregiver, uh, that's when a lot of times they turn to us. Right. And a lot of our wellness content is really designed around diseases and conditions. So it's all done like that. And at the same time, we have um, a, and we work with a lot of marketers in, in the hospital marketplace that are branding. Uh, and then we work with a lot of pharma companies that are really targeting specific types of patients that have specific types of dis disease. And, and you have a lot of that first party data, which helps you those relationships. Yeah, we, we, we built out uh, a product uh, through our um, uh, exchange uh, called the, the, the decision continuum. It's, it's the only thing of its kind, mm -hmm. and it's based on life stages or issues that are going on. So a lot of marketers work with us very closely in that, in that decision-making continuum to connect with those things. So a life stage could be, I just graduated college. A life stage could be, uh, I'm, think, I'm, I'm thinking about retirement, right? A life stage could be, I'm buying a car. I have cancer. <laughs> uh, I, I want to leave that out, but yes, uh, that sort of thing. Yeah. And we're able to uh, be very precise with that right. and, uh, and target, and that's how we work with a lot of clients. But we also do a physician appointment mm -hmm. setting now. Yeah. So that's a new, new product, a new opportunity for us that we've been developing, we work very closely with the health, uh, the health systems, mm. and the physicians that are connected there, uh, and uh, uh, patients are actually connecting, making appointments now for our site. So this is all. So this is all. It sounds like there's in in, in some ways there's many U.S. news there isn't just one. You have all of these different services, these different products. As so, if you could pull back the lens a little bit as someone who's been in in the media in various uh, capacities and various stages in your career. What um, what do you what do you take from all of this, or what what have you taken that you're applying here? Because um, the media landscape, it, to hear people talk about it who are in it, is very challenged. Uh, Facebook and Google have siphoned off the majority of ad dollar growth and the existing share of ad spend. There's a lot of hand wringing over that, um, but. To hear you talk about it, you've got a, a, a business that is got a bunch of differentiated products and revenue streams. How do you view the media landscape? Is this a, a, a model that you would advise other publishers to take, or are there other models that work for other publishers? Well, I, mean, I think it's going to be difficult for me to think about how other publishers are, are, are operating, what they're doing with their strategies. I'm not in their business. Um, 
you know, I could certainly can look as an outside observer for, for us at U.S. News, and it took us a lot of years to get to where we are, mm -hmm. and it was a real challenge, as as everybody knows in the media business, what the Newsweekly category was going through. I was at Newsweek back in 2008. Well, I left. Yeah. Right. I remember the I remember the year. Right. The, <laughs> I remember the year that the automotive industry that's pretty much averaged about 3,000 ad pages between all three Newsweeklies went right. from 3,000 down to 500 right. in one year. So, but you know, we the the thing that re, we really focused on is um, you know, without being too cliche, uh, we we knew we had quality journalism, right? Everybody can say that. We knew we had a lot of trust with our audience, and and a lot of most media ha have that as well, right? But what we knew in the print product was that people really used U.S. News. You know, there, there was a a slogan that U.S. News still has and still uses once in a while called "News You Can Use" mm -hmm. for people that are that are around long enough to remember that. And that's the way we we were always. That that was the DNA. That is the DNA of the brand. In print, you know, we saw it happening. When we published the hospital guide, or we did our best places to retire, uh, or or the best colleges. You know, the feedback you get from readers. You know, in some cases, you know, we save lives. You know, you can get those notes for, in terms of connecting someone to a hospital that that helped them solve a, a real particular health issue. But you know, you can only go so far with that. And we began to realize that that type of of presence online. The behavior from a consumer or reader is a lot different mm -hmm. because that now they are in a, you put them in a position they actually can act. So we started to see that, and then uh, you know we started to see that online early early two thousands. You know when when we were pushing pretty aggressively online. Uh, U.S. News has been online since the late late nineties. Mm -hmm. uh, like everybody else, we were part of AOL. You know AOL um, and so on, but. Uh, we began to see the dynamic of engagement going on. And then the question was, okay, how can we turn that into a business, right? And the first part of it is from an advertising perspective, uh, would an advertiser, would a marketer really want to be at the point when someone's saying to themselves, okay, I have 100 ETFs that I can choose from, okay? And I'm, in, I'm thinking about doing the research on that right now. Uh, I might talk. I'm going to talk to my financial advisor of the three funds that I think are really good, based on the on the information that I got from U.S. News. We we started to see that there's an interesting dynamic, and that you can make a connection like that between a marketer and, and a consumer or a reader like that. And so we've just kept on building and building, layering in that in, into every area. And so that is really the essence of what we've done: is really taking what U.S. News was founded on and just applying it. Digitally, you said, yeah, you said print a couple times, but you've been you got rid of the magazine in 2010, the print product. Yeah, we right. we uh, November 2010 was the last issue of U.S. News. When you did that, did I would imagine people thought, um, uh, oh well, that's the death knell for U.S. News. Y yeah, you know, you, you know how in, I, in retrospect it was very forward thinking. Yeah, everybody, everybody didn't think that was. The case, and let, only we did. Yeah, <laughs> at least we believed we thought we could do, do that. Yeah, it was uh, it, it was a bold move. It was intimidating. Uh, it was scary. Uh, and I'm not I'm not saying. I mean, we we took a major risk. Mm. Uh, did you take a hit? Uh, well, we took a hit from the standpoint that um, you know you, you, we had to do a lot of things that you don't like to do. And you know there were a lot of great people that worked at U.S. News that that no longer work there, 
uh, and when we when we restarted the brand, it, it was like it's like I think we talk about it internally. We're like an eighty-five year old startup right now, mm-hmm. but you know the transition was really interesting. Um, so you know we went out. We went out with our plan. Um, we uh, with the relationships I had with a lot of advertisers, I was able to convince them to stick with us. Uh, ironically, financially, we were in a better situation at that point than we've ever been. Mm-hmm. So we had gotten ourselves in a situation financially where, uh, while we were still having losses, they were minimal, and they gave us a runway. And it gave us a runway, and I would say it was July uh, of 2012, it started to take off. Mm-hmm. It, took us, it took us, let's say, a year and a half to really start to build a base, build a, build a plan, uh, understand what we have, what was going on, and uh, we started to develop some really good programs and, de- and developed a lot of things with a lot of marketers. And, and, and the ones that stuck with us, a lot of them today are our largest advertisers, and we've learned a great deal with them. They've been very transparent. Uh, we do a lot of branding programs with them, and we do a lot of performance marketing with them. So it's been really interesting. Uh, to, to work with a lot of marketers that have stuck with us all these years. Branding in terms of branded content, or uh, I, yeah, branded content is, mm-hmm. is one thing. That's uh, something we've been doing for the past couple of years. Uh, we actually uh, brought uh, Jada Graves, who worked for us on editorial and product development. We brought her in to run that. She knows U.S. News inside out, so we work with a lot of companies and create the content even though it's labeled that it's it so it comes from a marketer at least it's in the voice of US news somewhat and and that's been very good uh, a lot of our display advertising that has branding associated with it uh, and then a lot of performance a lot of advertisers a lot of marketers that work with us have performance oriented advertising as well so we have places on our site where that works really well we've under, we understand that we know how to optimize that and the more that marketers are transparent and work with us more closely, the better way that we can perform for them. Uh, programmatic and all? Yep, all, we, all through programmatic. Mm-hmm. Uh, we really stuck with programmatic. We uh, watched the ups and downs of programmatic. Mm-hmm. Um, we think it's on a resurgence in a positive way. I think all the, all the challenges that programmatic has gone through. Uh, there's been a, uh, a flight to, to uh, quality which I think is really good. We have uh, focused ourselves on premium audiences, premium content. We didn't deviate from that. We never wanted to go, you know, even though we have a large scale now, it's been, you know, real modest, slow by slow build on that over the past uh, seven and a half years. And uh, the audience and what we work on programmatic is, is the same way. And we use a lot of data for that. Uh, we have great optimization tools. We have great viewability optimization tools that actually we can optimize on viewability immediately on the fly, which is very unusual. Mm-hmm. We work with a company that helps us with that. And a lot of contextual targeting mm-hmm. because when, uh, when a consumer comes to our site already you know, sort of down the, down the uh, pathway to the continuum, uh, uh, yeah. the continuum to, to make a decision, we're able to work with that yeah. knowledge with, with, a, with a marketer. And uh, Talk about what else video-wise. We were just we were talking before we turned on the mics how how 
you sort of issued, there was this whole publisher pivot to video that did not pan out well for a lot of publishers, but you guys have before sort of dodged that, but are now getting into video? Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, w w you know, video has always been an interesting thing. Um, it goes back to when I got in the, in the business in, in, in the early, early 80s, uh, especially when um, ESPN launched, you know, everybody was thinking about the publishing companies back then. We got to start our television shows and things like that related to that. I, I think, you know, for or organically or in the DNA of print publishers, you know, we, we're good at contextual content. Mm -hmm. uh, we probably can do some video, but it has to be high level premium video. We can't mass produce. It isn't what we do. It's expensive. Right? And, and it's very expensive. Uh, we looked at it. Uh, we tried it for a while. We backed off from it. We saw what everybody else is doing. We felt that you know, let, let it, let it, let it sort of let, let's see what everybody else is doing, and let's see what the technology is. Uh, you know, the sourcing video is not a problem. There's a lot of video to to source and use out there. The, the issue is is trying to put out good quality content that makes sense. And when you look at an audience like ours and looking at marketers that that we engage with, you know, we are a a decision-making platform, so very advice-oriented. How's that going to work? Uh, is is are the performance expectations going to work on video like they do contextually? Right. Mm -hmm. So uh, we we create a lot of evergreen content. You know, we're we're a company that is built off of SEO, organic SEO. So you know, people ask questions, they find us. That's how that's how they get to us, and the majority of the folks. So can that work on video? So I think now we we've discovered that we can start doing that. We've been doing some testing. Uh, we're looking at evaluating a couple of off-the-shelf products that could work for our editors, so they can produce their own video. And we're starting to test that out, and that looks pretty good. The viewability looks really looks good, and and the um, it's all evergreen. So it'll be you'll see a lot of evergreen content, evergreen video starting to come out, probably starting primarily in health and uh, education and our money site. Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned that you, you got in the business in the, in the, in the 80s. What, uh, how long have you been at uh, U.S. News now? It'd be about 20 years. 20 years. Yeah. And, and you were also concurrently for a while at Daily News, in, in New York Daily News, uh, and you got your start in the sort of trade world. Uh, can you talk about your trajectory a little bit? Yeah, I, I was a little unconventional getting to uh, the mass consumer world. Uh, I started back years years ago uh, in the trade magazine business, uh, in the food and beverage marketing business. That was actually the name of the magazine, and and sort of worked my way in ad sales, you know, and uh, got to be pretty good at it. Uh, was given opportunities along the way. Uh, went to work. Um, in the mark, I would say in the media marketing field, uh, running a whole bunch of magazines, uh, which was then Kurt Cole, uh, Cole's Business Media, uh, Folio Magazine, which everybody knows, uh, and Catalog Age, Direct Marketing. So I really got to understand the marketing business. Uh, we had a magazine called uh, Inside Print, and then I changed it and came up with the idea of Inside Media, which ended up being a magazine, a biweekly magazine for uh, agency media professionals. It was the beginning of the unbundling of media departments from mm -hmm. ad agencies. Mm -hmm. And that was our one of our, well, that's actually our first story on our first. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, the unbundling of. Now uh, it's all about rebundling. Exactly, <laughs> and I remember the anger we got from a lot of the media directors at, 
at uh, Saatchi and Saatchi and Ogilvy, and, and mm-hmm. uh, now we know where we are today. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, left there and, and worked uh, with a couple of places, uh, worked for Mort Zuckerman in the early 90s, left, um, and then came back as the publisher of the Atlantic Monthly, mm-hmm. which was really interesting. Uh, a year later, though, uh, we sold it to David Bradley, and then uh, uh, Mort asked me to be a publisher of uh, U.S. News. I didn't really know what I was really getting into that much. I was excited about it, obviously. Uh, and, it, you know, it was a real challenge. It was a real challenge. And uh, we worked really hard. Uh, you know, it was a tough time in the business in the decade of the, of the new millennium, if mm-hmm. the, the 2000 through 2010. I, I recall it unfondly. Yeah. yeah, and that was that was the siege of, of the of the what was going on in the media business that was right. the real beginning of it it was right after the dot-com bust of 2002 i guess mm-hmm. uh everybody thought it was oh great the, the digital world is not it's just not going to happen right and then it came back and and then i think that's when google really started to emerge so um you know we we transitioned we transitioned and uh i think the days of my trade magazine business when you really think about it, it helped with the team that uh, help create what we have today as U.S. News is really focusing on customer needs. We, we spent a lot of time with that, working with clients. So there's a lot of listening. We listen to readers. We listen to marketers. And I think that's helped us shape what, what we have today. Yeah, in, in some ways, the way you describe it, the ecosystem has changed, but the, the goal hasn't really. Or how would you... Uh, you know, it, it in the end, um, in fact, it, it just sort of emerged... Uh, at Con, when I read some things about what uh, the ANA is doing with the the CMO, I think it's calling it the Growth Council, something mm-hmm. like that. Right. Um, it's like a refocusing on the customer or the consumer. Um, I, I never realized that they were they, they weren't, weren't focused, focused on the consumer, <laughs> but it, it, that's where it is. And and uh, understanding what the customers are are looking for, you know, I think the challenge is going to be. Uh, and, and that's what we do. And, and, and staying within who your brand is. You know, our brand is a brand that people use. Uh, they they want to know uh, what they can buy. They want to know what's going to help them in their life. They want to know where they can get a good education. They know what they don't want to. They want to know what car they can buy, where they want to travel to, what you know, what the best thing they should invest in, stock they should invest in. And that's how they use us. Every brand is different. But if you're true to who you are and true to who your your uh, reader or your consumer is, I think you know marketers will will respect that and identify with that. Just to create audience for the sake of audience uh, is is I think a real challenge. Uh, well, I there's think, that whole rush for scale a few years back that also sort of fizzled out for a lot of publishers. But what's the purpose of your content? Right. If it's just yeah. to get eyeballs. You know exactly. I mean, is there a purpose? Is there it, what kind of engagement do you have? Uh, are you are you moving the needle? Is is a consumer taking what they're learning and applying it somewhere? We that's the world we like to live in. We think there's a lot of meaning behind that. We think there's a, a lot of stickiness with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and our, and the marketers that that we work with have found a lot of success with that. Great. That's a. I think that's a lovely place to leave it. How's how's Mark doing? He's doing well. Yeah. He's doing well. He's. Uh, you know, he he goes back and forth. He's out the uh, at his place in East Hampton now. Yeah, and uh, vegan, right? Um, <laughs> I, I, he, I, I'm not sure he's still a vegan, yeah. but um, 
he talked it up for but a while. But he uh, he always has eaten very he's always been a healthy eater, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's good. He can use US news for uh, health advice. Um, Bill, thanks for joining us. This was a Yeah, thanks for all your time. Appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. I want to thank Bill for joining us today. Bill Halber is, of course, the chief executive of U.S. News. I'm Brian Breaker, editor of AdAge, and you are listening to AdLib. We were produced today by Chen Wu. Check us out at adage.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Give us lots of stars. You can hear us on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever there are good podcasts. Come back next week.